Hello and welcome back to History in 7. I'm reading the note-taking book, How to Take Smart Notes, by Sunke Ahrens, which I like very much, although this History in 7 is not about that. But this has become the go-to book for most of the current podcasters and YouTubers who are talking about productivity and effective note-taking. My goal in reading it is to incorporate parts of the techniques that Aaron's discusses into my writing handbook, which already begins with a chapter on reading and taking notes, but which could be more explicit, and into the historical methods class that I am designing along with one of my colleagues for the BSU history program. I'll have more to say about the book when I've finished reading it and about that process as I begin to implement it. Aaron's mentions in the book that a lot of students shy away, in his words, from using the external memory technique of the slipbox that he's describing. Well, of course they do. They're trained to prepare for closed book quizzes and tests and to try to jam everything into local memory. So in order to help them make this change to using an external memory tool and to begin to create a scaffolding for understanding more complex issues, I'm wondering if I should just give up giving quizzes. Since we're going to this new HyFlex format, the idea of enforcing closed assessments, like closed book quizzes and exams, is pretty much off the table anyway with data sources always a couple of seconds away on screens or on phones or even with AI digital assistants, maybe there's less point nowadays in assessing knowledge. I do believe that people should know something about the past, and my students who I've asked about this seem to agree with me, at least the ones who care to weigh in on the issue. But maybe that means something different from what I had thought. Maybe it's less for people who don't want to be professional historians about knowing all the names and dates. And maybe it's more about understanding the contours of history, important turning points, interpretations of what the important changes over time were, things like that. Looking at mainstream textbooks, I don't really get the idea that many of them are fully there yet. Lots of ink seems to continue to be spent on names and dates, or at least narratives of the past. Maybe a theme is explicit sometimes, like in Eric Foner's textbook on U.S. history, which is really centered around his favorite theme of freedom. Or sometimes it's implicit, like some of the efforts to set the record straight about things that we don't normally like to look at in our nation's past. The idea of requiring discussion participation is pretty much off the table too, I think, in a HyFlex course. If the pure form of HyFlex is a range of options from traditional in-class learning to completely asynchronous online, then discussion participation can't really be part of that grade. I'm not entirely pleased, to be honest, with the levels of participation I'm getting in my Zoom discussions anyway. The same people tend to talk all the time especially in the surveys. And I wonder if these would be the people who would actually come to an in-person class or use the synchronous option, even if they were remote. Part of the difficulty with the surveys, of course, is that there's a very wide range of different types of students in them with different types of goals. 
about a quarter to a half in any given class might be history majors or potential history majors or a large contingent of social studies education majors. These students are generally paying close attention and interested in the content. Then there's an additional group of students who are taking the class to fill a lib-ed requirement. They have much different engagement profiles, but they're also a crucial demographic in terms of both increasing our enrollment numbers in the history program and also, and more importantly, fulfilling our mission of making history relevant in the lives and decisions of people today, and also fostering empathy and developing critical thinking and study and effective communication skills. Another thing that came up in a conversation that I had just yesterday in my OER learning circle is the idea of a seven-minute rule for instructional videos. I asked my students about that this morning, and they seem to be all right with my long lectures that just go on and on. Uh, But there does seem to be a strong belief that all lectures should be cut down into seven-minute chunks or five-minute or ten-minute chunks, and they should be interspersed with formative assessments. I'm not sure that I entirely agree. I think that I've been trying to get some of my podcasts like the History in 7, down to a similar format, because I do think podcast consumers and YouTube video consumers do have a sweet spot at around seven minutes. But I'm not convinced that my students fit that demographic or that every single lecture needs to be that short. I do think that I'm already writing my chapters in a format where there's a break after every five minutes or so of reading with questions for discussion sections. Five minutes of reading is probably the equivalent of about seven to ten minutes of narration, depending on people's reading speeds. Maybe the way to go about this is to produce the videos in bite-sized chunks with reaction opportunities after each one of them. Uh, And this would make them more accessible to YouTube viewers and to podcast listeners. And then I could run them together into a longer lecture for the students who like that format, who come to the class or who tune in to the synchronous lectures, with breaks for maybe brief discussion or surveys using Mentimeter every five or ten minutes or so. I obviously have a lot of thinking to do about the student learning objectives that I want to focus on in these new class formats and how to teach to those goals, as well as how to assess them. So more to come on all of those things as I work through them. But that's all for now. So I hope some of that was interesting to you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again next time.